Several years ago, one morning, I took our car in to get an oil change and a checkup because our family was about to go on a long road trip to Colorado. So I got the oil changed, and when they changed the oil and looked over the car, the mechanic came out and said, everything looks pretty good, except you need new tires. Uh, They said, I would not try to drive all the way to Colorado on these tires, I would get new tires today. So I I said, all right, it's a little stressful, but I drove over to a local tire shop and uh, got a quote for the tires. And when the guy gave me the quote for the tires, this has probably happened to you with tires, the quote was higher than I wanted to pay, higher than I felt I could afford to pay at the moment. I wasn't expecting to get tires that day. I had not saved, uh, you know, however much it was, to get tires that day. So in a moment of desperation, I just looked at the the man behind the counter at the tire store, and I said, look, is there anything you can do for me to bring that price down? And the guy said, "Mm, I don't know. Let me see. And he he got into his computer, and he started typing a little bit, and he said, you know what I'm going to do for you today is I'm going to give you the employee discount. And so he, he quoted me a new price that was like almost just a little over half of the original price. And I said, all right, I can do that. I can pay that. That sounds great. Put the tires on. So I sat down, got the tires on. I went home, and I I said to my wife, I am an amazing negotiator. (laughs) You'll never believe what happened. And I described the scenario, and then I began to think about it a little bit more, and I thought, you know, that guy was really quick to give me that discount. And maybe it's not that I'm an amazing negotiator. Maybe I am, but maybe it is that that particular guy is just really generous. Maybe anybody who asks gets the discount. I don't know. The reason I don't know is because I've never asked for it again. Because I've never felt that desperate again, never desperate enough to humble myself, to set my pride aside and say, could you please give me a discount? But I thought, what if that guy is just way more generous than I initially assumed he was? What if God is way more generous than you think he is. What if the problem with our prayer lives is not that we ask God for things and he doesn't give them to us, although that sometimes happens, but what if the bigger problem with our prayer life is we don't ask enough? What if the reality is that God is lavishly, infinitely generous and yet we are timid or unwilling to humble ourselves and come before him and ask for what we need? What if we're not desperate enough? What if God is more than generous enough, but we're not desperate enough? What if God is way more generous than we think he is? I have good news, because the scripture does tell us that God is lavishly generous toward his people. If you were with us when we talked through the book of James last semester, you'll remember this passage. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So James says, sometimes the reason we don't have what we need is because we don't ask. And so he says, you don't have because you Don't ask. He's going to say that later on in the book. But he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. 
Uh, last week when we talked about the Lord's Prayer, or maybe a couple of weeks ago, you'll remember this passage from, from the book of Matthew where the Lord's Prayer is found. Matthew chapter 7, just a little bit further on in the book. Jesus says, Or what man is there among you who when his son asks for a loaf will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? And so Jesus and the the writers of the New Testament, they give us a picture of a God who is lavishly generous, who wants to give us good gifts. Now to be clear, they don't give us a picture of a God who gives us everything we want. They don't give us a picture of a God that we come before and say, God, you know what I want is just a a larger house, more money, lots of money. I never want suffering. I never want to be sick. I want to be famous and powerful. We don't worship a God who operates like that sort of vending machine. The scripture denies that we worship a God like that. But we do worship a God who is lavishly generous, who has said, if you ask things in my name, according to my will, so you can serve me, walk with me, obey me, and follow me. He says, I, I give generously. And again, the problem we often have is we don't ask enough because we don't believe God is as generous as he says that he is. If you were with us last week, we talked about the beginning of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you remember we said, before we begin to ask things of God, we want to know God. That relationship precedes request. And the reason is because as we know God more closely, as we understand more deeply who God is, that will inform our request so that we will then come before God and ask him for the types of things that he is inclined to give, the types of requests that align with his character, that align with his will, that are in keeping with who he is. And so now as we continue in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus is going to urge us, now that you know God, you have a relationship with God, you're cultivating the right heart before God, I want you to come before God and ask for the things that you need. Tell him your heart's desires because the deeper you know him, the more your heart's desires will align with his will. And so we're, we're only going to look at one verse this morning from the Lord's Prayer. We'll also have some cross-references, but it's Matthew 6, 11. Uh, you can read it. You can memorize it. We're going to say it several times. Give us this day our daily bread. That's all we're going to talk about this morning is that verse. Give us this day our daily bread. What we're going to see from this verse is this verse is going to offer to us several ways in which we should ask God for what we want and need. The question we're going to answer this morning is simply this. How should we ask God for what we want and need? What spirit should we make our petitions in? Because Jesus is going to say, I want you to ask God to meet your needs. So the question is how? I think we're going to see in this one verse, Jesus models for us several ways how to make our petitions before God. And as we look at this verse, really the the question I want everybody to keep in your minds as we begin looking at Matthew 6, 11 this morning, do you ask God to meet your needs expectantly and humbly and specifically and daily? 
Do you ask God to meet your needs? Or do you wait until you're like I was at the tire shop? You're like, I have no other choice but to ask God for what I need. Or do you come before God every day with the needs and the desires of your heart and present them humbly before him and say, God, would you meet my needs? Would you hear my petitions? Would you hear my prayers? Jesus exhorts us, commands us to do that. And here in Matthew 6, 11, he's gonna show us how. Matthew 6, 11, again, give us this day our daily bread. How do we make our petitions before God? I wanna offer four ways to make our petitions before God. First of all, we ask God expectantly. We ask God expectantly. One of the things I notice about this verse, give us this day our daily bread. Jesus just models for us a very direct and simple request. Notice there's no hemming and hawing. There's no, hey God, I know you might be busy or you probably don't want to hear me or anything along those lines. He just says, give us this day our daily bread. Jesus offers the prayer as if he expects it to be fulfilled. Right, We all acknowledge that everything we ask for is subject to the will of God. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. We know that. We recognize that. That's why Jesus would say later in John 14, if you ask anything in my name, I will give it to you. Asking in Jesus' name means consistent with his will, consistent with his character. Right? We recognize that. But we also see here a model where Jesus says you just come before God and you ask for what you need expectantly, expecting that God hears, expecting that God is listening, expecting, as Jesus says in Matthew 7, that he is inclined to answer, inclined to give good gifts. Remember, over and over we've talked about how we don't worship a God like the pagan gods, a God that we have to dance around or impress or say all sorts of magical phrases in order to bring our requests. But Jesus says, just ask him. And the reason we can come before God expectantly and directly is actually because of Jesus. Because Jesus paved the way for us to know God. And so the Lord's Prayer takes on a whole new significance and power after the death and resurrection of Jesus. Because Jesus died for our sin, which was the biggest barrier between us and a relationship with God. Jesus rose from the dead, defeating death and sin. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. And now the scripture tells us because of Jesus, we can bring our requests to God boldly, expectantly, directly. Hebrews chapter four says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What did a high priest do? A high priest mediates between people and God. And that's what Jesus is. He's the great high priest. Jesus himself mediates for us before God the Father. And so Jesus says because he has given us a relationship with God, we can approach God expectantly, directly, boldly, trusting that God is positively inclined to answer our prayers. Now, I can see it in your face and in your minds. Some of you are saying, but why didn't I get what I asked for? Right? I brought requests to God. Why didn't I get the things that I wanted, the things that I needed? And sometimes we don't know the answer to that question. 
But the scripture gives us a few possible reasons why we might not get the things we ask for. One of those is unrepentant, unconfessed, undealt with sin. There is a pattern in the scripture that those who are living in rebellion against God, those who are using God's good gifts, our mind, our heart, our body, our resources, to dishonor God, God is not inclined to give them more that they can use to disobey him, to dishonor him. There's a, there's a powerful passage in Isaiah chapter one that I don't have time to turn to this morning, but, but God says to the people of Israel, hey, when you lift your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you, and the reason is because your hands are covered in blood. You have oppressed the poor and the widow in the land, and so he says, I want you to wash yourselves clean. Do what is right, do what is good, and then I hear your prayer. Here's a very powerful, convicting one for those of you uh, men who are married in the room. 1 Peter 3, 7. You husbands in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she is a woman. That part of the verse is another sermon. We won't deal with it this morning. (laughs) And show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. Why? So that your prayers will not be hindered. Wow. Wow. All right, some of y'all are gonna have interesting conversations on the way home from church. But Peter says this, the way you treat your wife affects whether your prayers are heard and answered. That there is is a, a sin, a type of unrepentant, hardened sin that can prevent our prayers from being answered in the way we desire. Think about those of you, if you've got a teenager who is driving, who comes and says to you, can I borrow the car to go to the library? And you say, you know, last time you asked me for that, you didn't go to the library, but you went to a party where you got in trouble and you wrecked the car and it cost us thousands of dollars and you lied to me about where you were going. So the answer is no, I'm not gonna let you use the car. Because you have not dealt with that sin before me. So why would I give you more to dishonor this family? Right now, not always is it unconfessed sin. But it might be. This is why in James 5, those who are sick are to call for the elders. And as they pray, they're to confess their sins before one another. Unconfessed, unrepentant sin sometimes is the reason for unanswered prayer. It can also simply be selfish motives. Remember James 4 in verse 2, he says, you don't have because you don't ask. In other words, God is very, very generous. But in verse 3, James goes on, he says, you ask, and when you do ask, you don't receive. Why? Because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your own pleasures. All right, this is what we talked about at the beginning. God does not uh, operate like a cosmic genie or vending machine who does whatever we want him to do whenever we want him to do it. Right, And so if we come before God and we say, God, I'm asking you for this, just, it's really just because I want it for my own pleasure. I want more money. I want more power. I want more fame. I want more stuff for me. That's selfish motives. My heart is not aligned with the will of God. And God's greater concern, remember we talked about this last week, is that I know him, submit to him, obey him, and honor him. When my requests are made in that mindset, Those are the types of prayers that God answers. Sometimes the scripture says it might simply be lack 
of persistence. Lack of persistence. Luke 18. I'm not going to read that whole parable this morning, but let me, let me summarize it. You may remember uh, the parable of this persistent widow. Jesus says once there was a judge. He did not uh, fear God or respect people, so he's an unrighteous judge, and yet this woman keeps coming to him. This widow keeps coming to him and petitioning for justice day after day after day. And eventually it says the judge gives her what she asks for just because he says, if I don't, uh, she's going to wear me out with all her requests. And then he says, how much more does your father give to his people the good gifts they ask for? God isn't like an unrighteous judge. But Jesus, it says he tells the parable that they would continue in prayer and not give up. Now, the question is, why, why is it that God wants us to persist? Why doesn't God just give us everything right away? Why, why is it that when we ask for things, God uh, doesn't just be like, okay, here's everything you need for the rest of your life right now? We're going to talk about that a little bit later in the morning. So pin that question. But again, sometimes it is lack of persistence, right? And then fourthly, sometimes it's just the mystery of God's will, that what I'm praying for today is not God's will for the moment. How do I know that? that? Well, when Jesus prays in the garden, Father, If it's your will, let this cup pass from me. Let me not go to the cross, but not my will, but yours be done. Jesus, who is perfectly righteous, perfectly selfless, totally persistent in prayer, doesn't get in that moment the thing that he says he desires. Paul, 2 Corinthians 12, 7 to 10, he says, I had a thorn in my flesh. And he says, I pleaded with the Lord three times that he'd take it away. But God replied to him and said, my grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in weakness. That is, Paul, there's something going on in your suffering that is unrelieved right now that's going to glorify me in a greater way than if I just eased all your pain. And sometimes there's a mystery to God's will that God is doing something bigger than me, greater than me. So to answer my prayer in the moment would not be what's best for me or what will best glorify God. And that's a hard reality, but it's true. God might be doing something greater than simply giving me what I want. All right, so sometimes we don't get what we ask for, but the scripture never uses that as a reason not to ask God directly, expectantly, boldly. Think about it this way. Those of you who have children, they make lots of requests, right? Children make lots of requests. If you say no to their requests, does that prevent them from making other requests? Absolutely not. In fact, it doesn't prevent them from making the same request. Even five minutes later, 10 minutes later, can we go to the park today? You say, no, not today. They will wake up tomorrow and go, can we go to the park today? You say, not today. Finally, what will they do? They will go, when can we go to the park? And you say, I don't, I don't know, maybe in two or three weeks. Two weeks from that day, you will wake up. They will have their backpack on, their water bottle in their hand. Let us go to the park. 
Why do they operate that way? Why are they persistent? And if you say no permanently, we're never going to that park again, they will find another request and another request. Here is why. Because they believe that you as a parent, you love them and you want to give them the things they desire. So even when you say no, they keep asking. They keep requesting. Jesus says, come before God expectantly, boldly, directly, because he's a good father who longs to meet the needs of his people, who longs to hear the desires of his people. And no, we don't always get what we want, when we want, but that doesn't negate the reality that God is a good father who wants to meet our needs. And so Jesus says, ask him expectantly. We also ask Humbly. We also ask humbly. The reality is that the fact that Jesus includes this petition in the Lord's Prayer is an acknowledgement that we cannot meet our own needs. We can't do it on our own. We're not strong enough or smart enough or clever enough. Notice the nature of the need, and we're going to talk about this more in a minute. The nature of the need is very, very simple, isn't it? Give us this day our daily bread. Just give me what I need for today. And our temptation as human beings, especially if you're a successful human being, is to say, I I don't need to do that. I've I've got a lot of money in the bank account. I built my business myself. I got the PhD on my own. I have the job that pays the bills. I've got all that I need. I have other things that I need to ask for for other people, but I may not really need to come before God every single day and ask him to meet my needs. Right? But the reality is that we forget how truly dependent we are on God. You are as dependent upon God when you have $10 million in the bank as when you had 10. And the reason is because God is the one who holds the universe together. You don't control the rain and the sun and the course of the world economy. And tomorrow, no matter how much money you have in the bank, it could all be gone. Tomorrow, no matter how much you have saved, it could all be gone or things could shift and there could be no bread on the shelves at the grocery store. I'm not saying that to scare you, but to cause us to recognize we are deeply dependent upon the grace of God for every need. When Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing, that's not just spiritual reality. It is a reality, as Colossians 1 tells us, that he holds the very universe together. And apart from him, it all flies apart. Some of you remember vividly the supply shortages of 2020. Shortages of things like baby formula and lumber and the really distressing one, toilet paper. And so some of you, you, you went and if you saw toilet paper early on, your inclination was to hoard it, right? And so you would buy as many as you could. And so the stores got wise to that. They're like only buy one package at a time. So you'd get your whole family to fan out and your relatives and your cousins and your nieces and nephews, everybody buy one and you would stack it up. But, but in the back of your mind, didn't you realize that the day could come when my stash runs out? And then what do you do? All the money in your pocket won't buy you another roll. Maybe all the money in your pocket, but not from the store, from a neighbor or a friend. But what if it had been bread or food or basic necessities? We forget we are as dependent upon God 
to meet our needs when we're wealthy, when we're successful, when things are going well, as we are when we're desperate and poor. Philip Yancey says this in his book on prayer, says, why value humility in our approach to God? Because it accurately reflects the truth. Most of what I am, my nationality and mother tongue, my race, my looks and body shape, my intelligence, the century in which I was born, the fact that I am still alive and relatively healthy, I had little or no control over. On a larger scale, I cannot affect the rotation of planet Earth or the orbit that maintains a proper distance from the sun or the gravitational forces that somehow keep our spinning galaxy in exquisite balance. There is a God, and I am not he. And that's the reality. When I come before God, even when I don't feel desperate, even when I don't feel out of control, every day, and I say, God, I need you to meet my needs today. I'm coming in humility to say, God, I need you. Every hour, I need you. So we ask God for what we need expectantly, humbly. Thirdly, specifically, we can ask God for what we need specifically. Now, this is a very specific prayer that Jesus offers. And I wanna, I wanna remind us, Jesus is giving us a model for how to pray. So Jesus isn't saying only ask for food for today. That's the only thing you should ever ask for. He's giving us a model of how to pray. But notice this is a specific prayer. Give me today the things I need for today to meet the needs of my body. And so throughout the scripture, we see these exhortations that all of our requests every day can be made to God, yes, expectantly and yes, humbly, but also specifically that you can write them down and present them to God. I know uh, for me, when I was young, quite often my temptation in prayer, because it takes a lot of thought to write down specific prayers, is I would pray something like, God, just be with all the children in the world. Right? But God already is, by the way, with all the children in the world. But it's nonspecific. What do you mean by that? What is it you're asking for? Those of you who are married, maybe you've had a conversation like this with your spouse. One of you says, I just would like you to help out more around the house. And the other person says, what do you, what do you mean by that? I just want you to do more. Just do more, right? And so there's a, there's a never-ending hamster wheel of doing more because there's no specificity, or I would like you to be more affectionate. What does that mean? What does that entail? Right, and so, so these are general requests. And so if you talk with somebody who's like a marriage counselor, they're gonna say, you need to be specific. So I would like you to help me fold the laundry on Tuesdays and Fridays. I would like you to come home from work and look around and notice if the dishes are not done and step in and do them. That's specific. I would like you to hug me once or twice a day. That's specific, right? Specificity not only enhances the relationship, it also helps us articul- articulate Excuse me, what's in our hearts and our minds. It helps us understand what are the things that matter to me. And as we get more and more specific in our prayers before God, it helps us understand, are the things I'm asking for and longing for actually aligned with God's character? And if I hear my specific prayers and they're consistently selfish, or I can't really articulate what it is I'm asking for, then our our hope is and our, our 
goal is to draw closer to God, to read his word so we understand the kinds of things to ask for, for other people and for ourselves and for the world. So that when you read throughout the New Testament, there are specific requests given and exhortations to give, specific prayer requests before God. Philippians chapter four, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests, all of your requests, be made known to God. Write them down, bring them to him. Make a list of these requests, make a chart of these requests, bring them specifically to God. I wanna show you an example of this, Ephesians chapter six. Paul says, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints, and here he goes, pray on my behalf. Here's a specific prayer. Pray for me, that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known the boldness of the mystery of the gospel for which I am ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak bold as I ought to speak. In other words, please pray for me that as I present the gospel, I will be bold and unafraid. That's a specific request. So we come before God and we say, God, I pray for my family member X that they would come to know Jesus. I pray for my child who is struggling to walk with you, that you would give them a word of encouragement this week that will keep them going. I pray for my friend who is sick that you would step in and heal them. I pray for my marriage that you would bring closer relationship there. I pray for me as a parent that I would be wise and calm and not angry. Specific requests. Give us this day our daily bread. So we ask God expectantly. We ask God humbly. We ask God specifically. And then fourthly, we ask God daily. We ask God daily. I love this, uh, give us this day our daily bread. Uh, it isn't give me this week all the bread that I need for the week. It isn't give me my yearly bread. It isn't fill a storehouse with grain so I never have to ask you again. It is give us this day our daily bread. Now, in the early world, it's really important to understand, in the ancient world, most people really did live hand to mouth. They would work for the day and they would get enough wages for that day and so they would go buy enough food for themselves and their family for that day. And so each day, they, they, most people had to come before God and say, God, today, give me what I need. Now, most of us in this day and age are not in that desperate a situation. And so like I said, we forget every single day, I need to come before God and ask him to provide for my needs that day. Even if you think, hey, I've already got more than enough. It is this reminder of how dependent I am upon God. Let me be clear, this is not a passage that's against savings or retirement accounts or any of that. The scripture encourages wisdom and saving. This is about our heart's attitude. How do I come before God every single day to say, God, I need you today. I need you daily, right? We, we mentioned before this issue of persistence. Why do I come each day? Why doesn't God just give everything to me all at once? The reason is because if he did, we would come to love the gifts that God gives us and forget about the giver. And so God, in order to develop dependence and humility and trust, he says, I want you to come before me every single day 
to ask for what you need. There's certainly a hint here that Jesus is referring back to how the Israelites had to wander in the wilderness. If you remember the story of the Israelites wandering 40 days in the wilderness, 40 years in the wilderness, and they had manna that came from heaven that, that met their needs for that day. You may have noticed that in the wilderness, they had no refrigerators. There was no way to gather the manna and store it up for a week or a month or a year. And in fact, if they tried to gather more than a day's provision, what would happen to the excess? It would spoil. It would go bad. Because God wanted them to learn to wake up each day and say, God, I am as dependent upon you today as I was yesterday, as I was the day before as I was last Monday, as I was a year ago. Every day I come and say, give us this day our daily bread because God is more concerned with our relationship with him, with our dependency upon him than he is with giving us everything that we need. If you can imagine the situation maybe of a child who loses her parents at a young age and as a result of that receives a large inheritance Millions of dollars that will provide for her financially for the rest of her life. I would imagine almost anybody in that situation would say, I'm grateful for the provision. But I long to know my parents. I long for the relationship. The gift doesn't replace the giver. The provision doesn't Take the place of the provider. And so Jesus says, I want you to come daily. Say, God, give me for today what I need as we cultivate that relationship with him. Now, underlying all of this, of course, is the assumption that you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Remember, we said it's because of Jesus that we can approach God with this humility and expectancy and specificity and regularity. And so for everybody, the first question is, do I have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ? Have you trusted in Jesus who died for your sins and rose from the dead to give you eternal life? That then is the basis for our prayer life. If you know him, do you come on a regular basis offering your petitions to him Saying, God, I I submit my desires to your will, of course. God, I want to come humbly. I want to come regularly. But I specifically and expectantly want to present these requests toward you. I would encourage you, as I mentioned earlier, write your requests down. Have somewhere, either in your phone or a piece of paper next to your bed, where you say, here are the things that I'm praying for. Maybe maybe you have so many of them that you divide them up through the week. You say, Monday, here are my requests. Tuesday, here are my requests, and so on. In, In some years past, I've made a chart with each day of the week and different areas of my life, my friends and my family and those that I know that don't know Jesus and missionary friends and so on to offer specific requests for specific people on specific days of the week. But do you have that kind of structure and perseverance And focus in your prayer life to say, I want to come before God each day and say, give us this day our daily bread. 
God, I'm asking for the desires of my heart and the needs that I have, trusting that you want to fulfill those needs. I also want to encourage us to be praying for one another, to submit our requests to one another so we can pray for each other. And, and maybe that is in a, in a Bible study you're in, in a community group, in a small group. We also have a way that I want to encourage us to do this morning, uh, and some of you already know this, but in the uh, seat in front of you is a little card. That card uh, is obviously used if you're a guest to fill that out so we can connect with you. But on the other side of it is a place where you can write a prayer request. And if you write down that prayer request, we as a staff team and and as our uh, leadership team, we pray for those requests. We get together on a a weekly or bi-weekly basis and we pray for those requests. And so I wanna give us some time this morning for you to fill out one of those cards. If there's something on your heart that you say, I want the people of God to be praying for me, that will accomplish two goals. One, it's gonna, it's in a sense, force you to be specific and clear with your own request to say, here's the thing, God, that is on my heart and my mind, at the top of my heart and mind that I need prayer for. But it also allows us who pray for you to pray for you and with you as you seek the Lord. So what, I, what I'm gonna do then as we close is just, just take a moment, uh, fill out one of those cards if you have a request, and then on the back tables as you walk out, there's a couple little tables with baskets sitting on the tables. You can drop your card in that basket. And we, like I said, our staff, our elders, uh, we will pray for your requests throughout the week and throughout the weeks to come. So we're gonna take just a moment, do that quietly, and then uh, the worship team is gonna come back up and close us in worship in just a moment.